Let's ask the Lord's blessing and uh, be about this. Dear Lord God, we are grateful. Guide us in our thinking, the questions we develop, the approaches we take. We'd ask that you would guide us into greater holiness. In your son's name, amen. Uh, last week in church, I was speaking out of Psalm 92 and an advocate of thanksgiving. And as is, uh, I, I have a, if anything, a tendency to, oh, I don't know, enjoy the sound of my own voice. And uh, I'm not always amplified. That also would be kind of nice. But, uh, so I, if no one else, I think about what I talk about. And it, was a, it was a pleasure to be thinking about Thanksgiving. And I was in a number of conversations about it, and things started to come to mind. And I started to, you know, of course, make too many, um, what's the thought? Uh, get a new hammer, everything looks like a nail, you know. So Thanksgiving is always the answer. But at least Thanksgiving is a biblically enjoined behavior. Um, it does have some good. I'd ask you to meditate on the good. Um, I want you to meditate on, you might say, the bigger picture of how it, uh, it rests in our life or does not rest in our life. I, I made a comment on Facebook the other day, usual obtuse thing, people had to go, what? And it had to do with the nature of our animal pains and pleasures, that we have pains and pleasures like animals, uh, we feel them like animals, and then we, because we're human beings, augment our pains and pleasures with our opinions of our pains and pleasures. We pull in more pain, we pull in more pleasure by having a, by shaping an opinion, or we lessen the pain, we lessen the pleasure by an opinion that we build around it. Now, in this world, you know also that I'm a futilitarian, and uh, I'm pretty comfortable with it. I expect fully to die. I expect you to die. I expect that not only will I die, but I'll get sick and die, or I'll get hit by a 7-up truck and die. I, it, it won't just be, death won't walk up to me at a hearty handshake and welcome me into the other realm. It's going to be futile as well. And since we were surrounded with futility in small ways and big ways, little things beset us, uh, I, I would imagine you have what are called wants. Things you don't have, but you would like to have. Now, I'm not just talking about a, a Twinkie or a Ding Dong or something like that, or, or just something that, that you very naturally want. I want more money. Uh, or I, I, I want that very good-looking woman to love me in spite of all of my low, you know, low qualities. Um, we know what those sorts 
of wants are, but we have all sorts of more wants than that. And one of the basic things you realize, say running a Christian boarding house for 38 years, going on 39, um, it's not merely what people want physically, it's what they expect and want the other people to behave like, say, uh, agree with. You should agree. Have you ever noticed somebody who, we have a lot of problem with it in the political realm today, about people being unable to tolerate, unable to accept the fact that someone does not agree with them about whatever. They want this world to march into the glorious future with their views in everybody's mind. We want that. Just like we want the ding-dong, just like we want the good-looking girlfriend. We are wondering, with uh, Mike's request, that we pray against the Patriots, which is fine. And we can be we can be bought as a church. We can be bought, Mike, as a church. Perhaps if, like a Pharisee, you had shoved more money into the offering box as you said it. I would like this church to pay and pray for a defeat for Tom Brady. Some people take those things very seriously. I trust that you're, you know, you enjoy yourself this afternoon, but... And some women, they're what they chose. Have you ever heard, heard of that uh, thing of ending up at the sa- a party with a woman wearing the same outfit? Is that, is, that thing, is that generally viewed as a bad thing, right? Oh my heavens, how could this happen? I hate the world. My husband, why did he let me buy this? How did that woman's husband let her wear that? Or you found out that someone thought what you were wearing was a little poorly chosen? We would like, we have wants that are legion. Wants to be treated, agreed with, complimented, given... All sorts of stuff. Now, the world is really actually filled with wants. You will wake up in the morning hungry. Your body was made by God to be hungry in the morning. Need coffee. And as you get sick, some of you have struggled with big illnesses. Uh, Various people here have had cancer. People have had... The common cold, men have had that horror of the common cold. We know that the wants exist. We know that we want that. Now, what the sermon is this morning is trying to lift that concept up and go, okay, what are... What do we do to do about the fact that not only do I want things, but the world is filled with wants? It, we need to get things to survive. What do I do? Well, it sounds realistic to be the kind of person who cynically recognizes, and I, I would say I struggle with this, Leslie's band was playing last night at a Pullman Regional Hospital 
event. I did not get much sleep, so forget or give grace to whatever <coughs> gaps there are in the sentences. But I was doing the sound, and so you're listening very directly to every song that goes by, and when somebody is playing not the chord that's supposed to be played there, you see it. And so you tell the wife afterwards, she would like to be encouraged by her husband, not told that her guitarist or her bass player was playing the wrong note in front of 300 people. But you say, I'm just being realistic, right? We're, we're realists. And as a realist, the wants of this universe, the things that I don't have or man doesn't have and needs are naturally going to be on my mind. We feel the insult of wants and we start to make our complaint known. Now you could do it just cynically inside yourself where you're walking around with that sort of know-it-all look on your face. I know what you're about, buddy. I know you don't meet the, the want standard of humanity. Or you tell others where you're the kind of coworker nobody would like to have as a coworker. Somebody was telling me about, uh, we were talking about uh, uh, group projects in college and, and Ben Perley was talking about the mechanical engineering program where they would, you had group projects and everybody could list the three people they would not, would not work with. I was wondering whether or not it was the same three people on everybody's list. Very possibly. Complainers are that, those realists that you don't want on your team. But they're just realists, you say. No, I don't like hearing people's complaining. Or you could be a pious realist complainer, aware of the wants of the world, always on your knees, taking this, that, or the other thing before God. And I would like to suggest that we're not called to that. I would like to suggest that we're supposed to fix that. As realistic as it is, it is inaccurate realism. Uh, we can find something that is true, and yet some other aspect of our measure of it makes it untrue, or disruptive, or destructive to our moral fiber. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. My praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. And he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Look to him and be radiant. So your faces shall never be ashamed. <clears throat> much like the Thanksgiving psalm last week, as a way of looking in spite of... This is when David was pretending to be crazy in front of Abimelech. And... Um, and the guy believed he was crazy and said, I don't need any crazy people around here and chase David off. And he writes this psalm in response to it. And I like the things that at all times I bless the Lord. I make my boast. I praise continually. I magnify the Lord. 
I exalt his name. I sought the Lord. He delivered me. Be radiant. So much of our sinful existence, our complaint about the world, is as we complain, as we discuss our wants, we discuss all that is wrong, and what else could you do but be downcast, a little thundercloud over your head, unable to accept in a fallen world where you're being chased around the landscape by pagan kings, you're still able to say, I'll bless the Lord at all times. We want to be the kind of people who contribute as much good in this world as we can. Everyone else thinking by recognizing their wants accurately and maybe defending their wantishness efficiently. Think a life built on what you want is a realistic life. The poor man, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps round those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Happy is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for you who fear him have no want. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Now, a lot of people who like to add up promises in the Bible because they, they kind of treat God as the wanter's vending machine. So they go looking for a promise that promises them answer to this want, like financial want or health want or whatever it is, and they just cash it in. They want to say, Lord, if you're God, you, I, I expect you to have this relationship to me. They look at this sort of place, place and they see the same thing. David was delivered from a tight situation. But he holds up, he says, young lions, they're out there wanting and hungering. They have to go out and hunt things down. We don't lack that. We lack no good thing. It's not because he just hadn't come through a dicey moment where he had to drool at his own beard to convince him like that he was crazy. Our measure of the world is as if you lack no good thing, in spite of the wants that exist legitimately. Come, O sons, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and covets many days that he may enjoy good? Now, this passage, as you're reading through it, you go, I recognize this. Well, that's right. Hebrew, uh, Peter, 1 Peter 3, 8. And uh, I have it here on the side. Finally, all of you have unity of spirit, sympathy, love of the brethren, a tender heart and a humble mind. Do not return evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you have been called, that you may obtain a blessing. Sort of echoing what he says in another place in Peter, about this you have been called for Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example that he did not revile when reviled. Too much of your problems, if you're having them in life in your relationships, are because you front-loaded complaint, you front-loaded wants, then you front-loaded the response to wants because they're realistic wants. I could expect no less. 
a compliment on my new frock, a recognition that the Rams are a decent team. At least someone should say something nice. We have this want, complaint, control, expectation of others that they feed your wants and remove your wants to make you happy. That's how a lot of people define happiness in this world. If I get what I want, I'll be happy. What's the old line? If mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Well, mama needs to be punched to the face. Because mama has no right to not be happy. Because the Lord is good. Even when she's sick, the Lord is good. Even when little Johnny is being a hellion, the Lord is good. We have, we're, we're being pointed to an answer about our thanksgiving and our life and our blessedness in Christ that even accounts for the present. We're not Pollyannas. We're going that this is not a, I'm sorry, Linda. She always reprimands me for using the Pollyanna reference. Uh, we're not some naive uh, young person who thinks that the world's just going to be good because America, you know, America, and I have a red MAGA hat and everything will be good. No, we think everything is bad. We think it's going to hell in a handbasket. We don't want to contribute to the hell or the handbasket. So how do we live in this life with the wants, with the futility, with the crisis, with the calamity, with that which is killing you and killing your loved ones? And not be a little wanting, complaining little rhymes with something. He who would love, this is the passage in Peter that was quoted from the Psalm 34, verse 10. For he that would love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Let him turn away from evil and do right. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. And that's a quote from that center portion of Psalm 34. God is on the side of the person that keeps their tongue from evil, that desires that life be better than all the wants and the problems in it, because remember, the pain of life is increased, augmented by your opinion of it. That if your God is greater than your wants, if God is greater than your complaint, You've got things that are changing your opinion of the pain the want actually is. You say, but I'm hungry. Okay, but God is still good, right? Jesus Christ still died for you. Is that right? Yeah, but I'm hungry. Yeah, but you're acting as if your hunger is making you a little pissant problem for everybody else storming around the kitchen. Where's there food? There's no food in this house. Is Christ raised? Is God the maker of the universe? Do you even have a stomach? He lets you live till morning, for heaven's sake. 
You, with that attitude, he should have killed you in your sleep. Our lips speak evil because we design an apprehension of the world that we don't realize for all of its realism has not included that which David includes or Peter includes. That we have a thanksgiving about life. That we, have a, that we know who God is in life. Blessing the Lord, praising him continually, boasting in him, even afflicted, let them hear and be glad. Verse 17 of Psalm 34, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. At that, it doesn't say the Christian doesn't have wants, doesn't go through a difficult time, does not find their loved ones dying. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. I like this. It says, it says he keeps all of his bones. Not one of them is broken. Remember that? That's another prophecy of our Lord's crucifixion quoted. I think in Matthew. Is it Matthew? Evil shall slay the wicked. And those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants, that none who take refuge in him will be condemned. Now, why does thinking on God, is it merely just, you know, um, who was the guy, the power of positive thinking? Uh, Norman Vincent Peale, yeah. We're not trying to get you to sit up in the morning with a glow on your face or some sunny D in your hand and a small glass and say, in every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Because, you know, the, I know some people who have that eye, you know, the, the wide and swimming eye. They're, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna positive think themselves into, you know, some a little spontaneous combustion. We're not trying to do that. But we know that if we boast in our Lord, if we seek him, if we bless him, if we magnify him, it's changing. The phrase I use, and I'm putting your notes here, it ordinates your pain. You have been inordinate. And maybe because of the hidden sin of maybe pride or self-interest or my worries, my concerns, my problems, they're the biggest. They're going to be biggest for me. And, and you become inordinate in them. You say, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Even though it is pain, even though it hurts, if I spend the first five verses of Psalm 34 doing that, blessing the Lord at all times, It's going to bring about a reorientation, and I might have an ordinate view of the pain I feel. It might be a real headache. My toe might hurt. My taxes might be going up. I don't know what your problem is. I don't know what the uh, calamity that's killing you is going to be. But you want it to be ordinate. 
so that you are not hell to be around and just a, a, a part of the basket of wickedness that everybody is carrying off to hell with them. I used a, I was talking, Gunn and I went out to McDonald's and so it's naturally a uh, time of great Thanksgiving <laughs> because men understand McDonald's. I mean, those are just awful hamburgers, every woman says. I don't care. They're filled with heroin. That's all we know. We want more of them. I don't know if I can speak for anybody else here, but I want, when I go to McDonald's, I want to order one of everything. Every sandwich they have. I can't choose. I hate that. And I know I can't do that. But my wife gives me a uh, McDonald's card. Kind of my pin money. Well, nonetheless, Gunn and I were out being very thankful at McDonald's. And I was thinking about this point and, and illustrating it, and I wanted to use it, and I wanted to use it before I lost it. Um, this is like you have a very rich friend, okay? Very rich. And very rich friend has a lovely home outside of town that has very richness written all over it. You know, a good grass and, and cobblestone sweeping drive and pea gravel that's raked by domestics. And uh, invites you out for the weekend. And so out your and not only is your bedroom comfortable, it's the right temperature. I mean, not a single want is present. You, you can't even imagine the temperature not being quite right. And the towels are fluffy or scratchy if you like them that way. And it's a private bathroom. You don't have to share it with the help or share it with his family. You just got your own bathroom. And the food is just, you know, he hired Dave Leach or something like that to cook for him. You're really grateful. I mean, this is a weekend. Um, and you're in the bathroom, and you realize there isn't enough toilet paper for future years. I mean, you can get out and survive this time, but you're going to have to go to the owner of the house and remark on the toilet paper. It's a real want. You are not willing to go through any more of life without it. It's going to get resolved. Dear heavens, it better be resolved. It's, well, it's a crisis. So you go down to the kitchen and there's your friend, you know, counting hundred dollar bills, you know, because he can afford it. You're going to mention there's no toilet paper or not sufficient toilet paper in your bathroom. But you're not going to be a complainy little bitch. Why? You've been thinking about how great this situation is. Matter of fact, you're a little embarrassed to bring up the lack of toilet paper, which is really a big problem. When your mind is filled with how wonderful you, the life you have in God and Christ, I would trust you know that it's wonderful if you think about it. 
the grace, the peace, the joy, the love, let alone the other more extraneous thankable objects, you know, being in America, with toilet paper. We amplify our own pains because that's what we do with all of our pains, with our self-absorption and we, we lift them up, we intensify them. Remember, we're making it worse than it is because we're not remembering to magnify the name of our God. I've been in a number of, well, for years, I've been in a number of theological conversations. I seem to attract them. And uh, I learned a few lessons a few years ago about people that I enjoyed talking to, who, give me a couple years later, tubed it major. Walked out, of, walked out on God, walked out on their husband or wife, walked out on this, that, or the other thing. And it confused me in my middle age, because I had talked to them a lot about important things. But then I thought about it. There's one in particular that I mentioned to my wife that said, I don't remember this person ever, ever speaking of Christ. Ever. And I'm still in situations where people talk about things and don't speak of Jesus Christ. Now, Christ is not part of a conversation about the Rams and the Patriots. And you can talk about the Rams and the Patriots. But Jesus Christ is part of my life. Part of all times. It's part of the magnification I put on him. I am saved from my sins because of Jesus Christ. I expect that my Christian friends at some point in my conversational relationship with them will speak of the, the glory we have in Christ. We end up having a life at the church today, whatever your theology. If it hasn't been magnifying the Lord, we start to make our little objections to other people's theologies kind of major. And we kind of push all their buttons and we get into fights and then Christians are dying at the hands of Christians. What drew me kind of flipping me back into Psalm 34 was this Philippian passage here at the very end. It's a famous one where you know about uh, um, not that I complain of want for I have learned, verse 11, whatever state I am, I am to be content. I know how to be abased and how to abound. In any and all circumstances I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and want. I can do all things in him who strengthens me. And that was kind of a vague, I always thought, what's the answer? I can't just say I could do all things in him and this is the thing I did. He suggests that there's a procedure. He learned a secret. Not that it doesn't tie in with I could do all things in him who strengthens me, but it's one of those verses that comes out and ends up on somebody's refrigerator. It ends up on a poster.
back in verse 8 of chapter 4 of Philippians. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. I didn't see Evan's natural cynicism listed there, but uh, probably it's praiseworthy. But it certainly isn't giving praise or thinking of that which is praiseworthy. We're being told by the Apostle in one of the good letters with the church without the problems to think about these things. Do we think about the things that are worthy of this or worthy of being wanted? We want this, we want that. Then he says in verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. And the God of peace will be with you. And then he tells them, I have learned to be, whatever state I'm in, to be content. I learned the secret. He has just told them what to think about and how to mimic him in this. I just want to include it in this context of guiding you to be content. And it's not because we're people not concerned with good things in life. I love good things. And if you say, Evan, I don't know, here's some money. I'll be, well, thank you very much. And I will take it. And if you shove a cigar, a decent cigar on me, as Greg knows, I will take it and I will burn it. Um, he even says that, I rejoice greatly that you now at length have revived your concern for me as you were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I complain of want. He's talking about a gift that came to him from the Philippians. And he's glad they gave it. But it's in the midst of a different view of wanting. He had wants. He had needs. I can be abased. I can hunger. But I know how to deal with this. Because God, my God, is good. A satisfied mind. If God is the answer, and has answered the problem that men have created, the sinfulness, the calamity, the loss, if your God has answered, your mind is satisfied. You might die at the hands of wicked men. You might die at the in you know, problems of hunger and starvation. You might die of cancer or being hit by the 7-up truck, but you have been satisfied in your mind. The situation is good. I gave this illustration. We were talking about literature the other day with somebody about Russian. Um, if you ever read Russian literature, I, I do, and I like it. But there's a, you read the same time period out of English writers like Dickens or something, Dostoevsky and Dickens. Both of them writing about the, the bottom end of circumstance. But in England, you had hope. <laughs> you had decent people doing decent things for decent reasons, under decent laws, with decent judges some of the times, and things aren't just flat out awful and headed to Siberia. And you had a little glimmer of hope in Dostoevsky. You'd get a little, I mean, it's a glimmer.
Have you straightened out your mind so that the ordinate placement of your wants does not become complaining? Because I just want to give you a warning. It just gets worse. The days go faster, the pains hurt more, and then they kill you. Simple. And everybody has their mind that somehow the dice will roll and I will win the lottery. Somebody is going to win so much money they can fix every problem. Okay, well let's grant that. It's not going to be you. You're not the one winning it. So you better be ready. Taking care of my father. He's at the end of his days. He's not here because we can't, it takes a crane now to move him. We had a special thing from the nursing people that are coming in to make transfers with him because he can't get up. That's going to be you. If you're God's merciful and you last till your 90s, you're going to be carried, what do they say, of St. Peter? Whether he, where he did not wish to go. <laughs> Satisfy your mind and your God. Realize this is existing the way it is existing with all of its wrong and all of its calamity because this is what it deserves and you are a redeemed individual and it's serving that God who has done all these things wisely to it. He subjected it to futility in hope. Says Romans 8. Remember that our passions, our wants, our urges, everything needs to be fed whether it's psychological or physical. Does it say in James, when's come wars and fightings among you? Is it not your passions that wage war in your members? We've got to get a control on this. It's not merely are you right and honest and true about that which you noticed was wrong, but are you only a person who is thinking about how wrong things are and how much your wants are? Get the right balance of thanksgiving against wants so that you're just asking for toilet paper in a rich man's household. You're going to glory with Jesus Christ. Treat it. It's only, I need a little toilet paper, Lord, to get through this. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful that you provided for us, that you're there for us, you listen to our prayers. We'd ask that we would be circumspect followers of you that we would give ourselves to magnifying your name and your son's name in such a way that when we ask for our wants to be met we understand completely we have been satisfied and we know we're surrounded by your goodness thank you in your son's name amen